Man, I got about 6.32. We'll go ahead and jump in. I've got a lot to cover simply because I haven't taught in, what, two, three months? And, and so I've got uh, seven pages of notes. We're going to be here a while. <clears throat> I'm just kidding. We won't cover all of them, all right? As a matter of fact, this, this message was impressed upon me last week over a conversation that I had with a prayer partner of mine. He, uh, he was coming through town and wanted to get together for prayer, and we prayed and everything. He said, Curtis, you know, it seems like the older I get, the harder it is for me to hear from the Lord. And I thought the older I got, it was supposed to become easier for me to hear from God. And I said, it's interesting because sometimes I feel that way too. It seems like the older I get, man, when I was young, I was so passionate and so on fire and so many great, great things that were happening and life was unfolding rapidly for me. And, and it seemed like I, I was in the word of God and I had a young mind. And so I could remember the word of God and I was memorizing scripture and it was just going going like wildfire and it was so much fun and we were both talking about how we even got together back in those years and how we would pray and how we'd hold one another accountable and all the great things and here we are old now gray-headed and going man it seems like it's uh uh it's it's getting hard sometimes is that really the word of god that i'm hearing or am i starting to second guess that's the word of god or or how do we how do we know how do we determine how do we decipher what is the word of god now here's the thing in our church here at harvest amarillo we don't ever want to get away from the word of god the word of god is our number one value if you didn't know that most people tend to say well if it's your number one value you're talking about the bible no no it's not uh it's not god the father god the son and god the holy bible Right, it's God the Holy Spirit, meaning that God speaks to us in, in different ways. So I want to talk to us about how God speaks to us, and I'm going to give you some, some terms. You're going to have to stay with me. I'm going to move quickly, because one thing I want about Harvest Amarillo is we need to not only hear the Word of God, we need to be expressions of the Word of God in our life. It's not just about hearing the Word of God, it's about expressing the Word of God to those around us. We should never have to second guess, meaning if we hear from God and as we hear from God for someone else we need to take that word and give it to them and sometimes it's a simple word sometimes listen it may even sound like a silly word but it is a word that someone needs to hear and you may say well Curtis I mean if it's not scripture right if it's not scripture now here's the thing of course it's going to line up with scripture all right but the Word of God comes to us three ways, and we're going to express how that happens. See, um, the, the Word of God should be a value in your life. Values are basically what the, tra- what the train runs on, if you will. You know, there's a, a train track, and, and the Word of God fits on these train tracks, or, or the Word of God is a foundation for the train tracks, and we tend to, to go down those train tracks. Now, here's the thing. If every train car was trying to run on separate tracks, the train would not be very effective. And so we have these values. My family lives, my family lives by these values. Uh, not before last, you know, <clears throat> my littlest one comes in and says, Dad, I want to read Revelation chapter 2 tonight for the family devotional. I said, well, are you going to teach it too? You know, Revelation 2 starts out with uh, the church at Ephesus. And it's an excellent teaching. As a matter of fact, it's remember, repent, and repeat. Remember the height in which you've fallen. Repeat the things you did at first, right? And, uh, or repent and repeat the things you did at first. And I said, oh, this would be a great message. You teach it. Anyway, uh, she tried. (laughs) I was proud of her. But that's what she wanted to do because she knows that the Word of God is what? It is definitely a value. But values are just words on a piece of paper if they do not anchor your soul. If you're not anchored into these values, 
right? They should help you make decisions, choices, bring ideas, create beliefs. They should be things that we express one to another. Uh, the Bible or the Word of God, as we express it to one another, we should be sharing and showing that, hey, look, this is an anchor of not just my belief, but it should be an anchor for you as well, right? The beliefs are basically who I am. They're what make me, and it's the same for you. So we in the church, in order for us to work together, we've got to have what? Similar values, and our number one value here is the Word of God. We've got to have like vision, like values, and God-ordained healthy relationships for sure, right? I believe those are the three things, the three factors that will make the church move forward from here on. It really will. I taught church history Sunday afternoon for a couple of hours, long class. I apologize to some of you, Josh, that were in there. <laughs> it went a long time. But here's, here's what we did is we talked about all the persecutions, all the things that happened within the church. The miraculous thing is the church is still here in this world today, and it's still very healthy, right? The gates of Hades will not prevail over it. And if you've never studied church history, what you'll find out by looking at it is that um, is that. <laughs> Every opportunity was given, looks like, for the church to lose ground, and it didn't. It's miraculous, right? It's because the church had these values, right? It, it, it had these values. So let's jump in here on the Word of God, and let's talk about this. The Word of God is expressed in three ways, three ways in Scripture. The first one is known as the Logos, or the Logos. It's a word uttered by a living voice. It embodies a conception or idea it's basically the embodiment of the Word of God. So who embodies the Word of God in Scripture? Sunday school answer. Thank you. Who's awake this morning? People at every table, and I've already lost you, huh? Come on, guys. The sun comes up at 610 now. It's easy. Amen. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. That, that's the embodiment of Jesus. Now, when I, when I say the, the embodiment of the Word of God is Jesus, I want you to know that also goes back into the Old Testament. Give you a couple of examples in the Old Testament. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're thrown into the fiery furnace, and there is one like the Son of Man, right, that is seen in the fire, okay? So that would be an embodiment of the Word, right, that God is with them. That's an example of that. The second one is known as the rhema. The rhema is something that we need to see in the church today. The rhema is something that it's not just expressed from the pulpit. It should be expressed in the membership of the congregation, one for another. The rhema is a spoken word of God, that which has been uttered by a living voice. It's a thing spoken, any sound being, being spoken by the voice, and it has a definite meaning. It represents God. Because it is, it is his word. That's the rhema. The third one is what most of us are familiar with, the graphe. And the graphe, it's G-R-A-P-H-E. That is the Bible, right? The holy scriptures. Now, because most of us date back, right, in, in American history with just the American church, we tend to emphasize the graphe more than any other part. And by the way, I believe that we probably should. Let me just say, right? Because if somebody gives you a, say they, if they come to you and say, hey, thus saith the Lord, right? And uh, go and kill your neighbor. That doesn't really line up with the word of God, right? 
you got to know the graph. Eh? Of course, that's important. But let's talk about the logos since we started there. John 1, 1 through 5 is a great place to, to look at this. In the beginning was the Word, logos, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So who's he talking about here? In the beginning was the Word. Who was in the beginning? Sunday school answers, guys. Thank you. When I say Sunday school, you say Jesus. All right? If you just get that, you'll have it right. All right, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. Jesus was in the beginning. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In him was the light of men. So not only are we in him, but he is where? In us. This is very important. It's very important because when we're talking about the logos, we're talking about we are representatives of Christ in us. Men, this is why we should have the spoken word also for one another, right? The logos, meaning Jesus, is in us, and we too are in him. So the most basic understanding that we must grab a hold of this morning is that the word of God, it is a person, and it is the person of Jesus Christ. That's the logos, all right, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, God's final word in his son here. It's God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things through whom he has made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. What's that? You want to know which, which word that is? Any of you have a guess? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I had a question. Keep going. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. All right. So what it's talking about here in Hebrews is that Jesus is the embodiment of God's word. Any questions on the logos? Okay, let's move on. Rhema. I'm, I'm trying to cover three things that we could have covered in three weeks. But I'm moving quickly because I do believe that this has come up two or three times. You'll see another time here in my life in just a moment. And I think this is imperative for us because we can drift. This is what can happen. Let me tell you, man, there's no doubt that we can get in Scripture every single morning and we can study the Word of God and yet never have a word for someone or never express the Word of God to someone. Sounds crazy, but I promise you it can happen. And you know, if you've been in, in your scriptures, in your Bibles, that it's probably happened to you a time or two, right? Matter of fact, you can express just the opposite. You know, my dad, I mean, he showed up last night. He showed up yesterday afternoon. I had an appointment here at 3.30 for a baptism. Important meeting, right? One of the most important things we do is a sacrament. Dad said, hey, I'm going to be up there around noon. Can you help me unload a trailer? I said, yeah, yeah, that's no problem, uh, just just call me around new. I'll, I'll keep it open. Never heard anything from him. I thought he backed out. And guess what? At 3 o'clock, guess who calls? And so I go there, and, of course, we have to use the tractor in order to get this trailer and all this stuff done. And, and, I, and I, I know he'll try to do it by himself. So I get, And as soon as I go to crank the tractor, what happens? Won't start. I did not express the Word of God at that time in my life, man. It just happens, right? That's just... So, so life gets in the way sometimes, and, and we have to jump in there, and we have to remember that, hey, we are to be uh, an expression of Christ in us, the logos in us, right? Okay, rhema, that which has been uttered by the living voice. Now, that's the official definition. I like to say this. The rhema is the spoken word. 
It is the spoken word. Now, in order to speak the word of God, you must first hear the word of God, all right? Some of us try to become God, try to hear something that he never said. And, and that's dangerous, by the way. That's what they identified as false prophets in Scripture, all right? And so what we want to do is have an ear attuned to God, and as we do, we want to be able to speak that word of God. Depending, it may be uh, to a multitude of people like this morning, or it may be one-on-one, but the rhema is active, and, and, and it's, it's stirring us up. It's the Spirit of God within us, one for another, right? And so Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the rhema of Christ, the spoken word of Christ. You see, when we give one another a word, what are we doing? We're increasing someone's faith. Are you seeing this in this? Guys, I know I go fast, and I know it's early, but this is good stuff. This is meat right here, I'm telling you. We've got to get this. Watch. This is, these are not my words. This is, just, this is just what the Bible says. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ, by the rhema, the spoken word. The word here is rhema. Faith comes from hearing, hearing by the living voice of Christ. Ephesians 6.17 says the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema or the word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. Have you ever ever been in an argument and somebody used the word on you? I know most of you aren't pastors here. (laughs) It happens to me. I mean, I mean, it's amazing to me how many biblical scholars come in here and are ready to, I, I mean, they pull their swords out and we're going, right? It's, it's going to happen. And so here's the thing. One time I'm, my wife actually used it on me. Uh, and that, I, I never have forgotten that. I was a young man. We, did, we hadn't been married long. We got in an argument. I wound up out in the pasture trying to pray, trying to seek a word, right? And when I came back, I was still ready to, to argue a little more. And she said, you know what? Uh, I am simply going to submit to you even though I don't agree with you. And uh, she used the rhema right on me. She used the spoken word of God.
Okay, it may not have. Uh, is it on? Is it on? Yeah, the reason why we got it, it may not have ever shut off, but what happens, it stops recording back here. And so we're trying to get this through. Anyway, so we, so we go in, and um, it's, it's just amazing. And she had been questioning her face. She told me just based upon some recent events over the past couple of years, actually, um, she was really questioning her faith. And by the way, faith has to, your children have to own their faith. And so I just tried to encourage her but not preach to her, right? And so we go in, and, and uh, she, she hasn't sung in months, anything like that. She's got a great voice. She's, got, she's extremely talented on the piano, hadn't played the piano in months, had to take her out of piano lessons, all these things. And that's, that's a story for her to tell. It's not a, I'm not going to sit up here and tell her story. But what I want you to hear is my story. So as we get in, we get over there on the side, we kind of lock in, and it's praise music like we do here. And all of a sudden, I look, and she's worshiping. I mean, she's in. Time has stopped in her life. And it's amazing how many times just the worship leader would speak the living word of God over the people during that time. He just had some incredible words for people, and it was just, it was alive, and it was so much fun. Well, she had to be back at 10, so we only got to stay in there for two or three songs, and then boom, we busted out of there and and took off. Now, the reason I share that, because that afternoon, I was in class, and I was listening to another psychologist explain why children with eating disorders follow a pattern of type A personalities. They are perfectionists and are preoccupied with time and what is next. And she was making this point. She said, you know, most of y'all's kids are always saying, what's next? What's next? What's next? And they can't sit still. And they, everything's got to be perfect. And everything's got to be in order. And this is like 98% of these kids. So this, she's just going on, and I'm, I'm taking notes and took a bunch of notes over those, those classes. But like I said, I didn't say anything. And as she's going on and on, um, here in a minute, a woman spoke up, and she said, well, I'm Episcopalian. And she said, my daughter's been raised in the Episcopal church, and, and we attended a church that I've never heard of this morning in Dallas called Watermark anyway, y'all should know that church. <laughs> and she said, I didn't understand the songs. I didn't, I didn't get the drums. I didn't get the lights. But when I glanced over at my daughter, she was singing for the first time in years. She said, I don't know what to make of it. Another woman spoke up on the other side of the room. And by the way, just so you know, it was all women except me and one other guy. It's another reason why I didn't say anything. I couldn't get a word in, but anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I am being recorded. We'll cut that out, okay, Matt? (laughs) So the same thing happened. She just jumped in and she said, the same thing happened to us this morning. We also attended church, and my daughter hasn't sung in years, but there she was. She was not only singing, she didn't even know these songs, but they were up on the screen and she was engaged. About the time, another woman jumps in and she said, um, she said, look, I'm not religious at all. We're not religious at all. <clears throat> you know, I would think, though, that my daughter would sing a pop song or something, but I hadn't heard her sing in years. And then the woman sitting next to me, who I knew her husband uh, from Kansas City, I met him weeks ago, she said, uh, you know, we're Catholic, but we went to Mass this morning and my son was really engaged 
anyway, the, 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 as you can tell, the room's starting to transition. The psychologist is kind of trying to rein it back in. But then the woman who was next to me, she turned and looked at me and said, well, you're a pastor. What do you think? And I was not going to say anything. And the psychologist said, yeah, uh, sir, you're a pastor. And I was like, yes, I'm, I'm a pastor, you know, a pastor church in Amarillo, Texas and anything. Uh, I said, but I, I said, I feel like, and I could feel that the rhema word was about to be spoken. That as a matter of fact, when I tried to retrace this in my mind of how it really happened, this is not exactly what happened or what was said, because I can't remember exactly. It just flowed so naturally. But um, it was all resonating with me. I was hearing because the same thing happened to my daughter that morning. And so uh, the Episcopal lady, she just looked at me and she said, come on, pastor, say something. What do you think? The air got heavy. I could tell God was not going to be silent. I didn't want to say anything, but he did. And though I can't remember, as I said, exactly what happened as I best remember it, I simply said something like this. My daughter has questioned her faith to me recently, and I'm a pastor. However, she too was engaged in singing this morning. And here's what I know, that God is the author of time. And whether you believe or you don't, our daughters were in his presence this morning, and they were present. They weren't thinking what's next, but they were satisfied with being in the presence of the one who gave them life. Maybe if we spent more time creating an atmosphere where God can have them, the world wouldn't. And the next thing would never be more important than this thing, the present. Jesus' words are simple. His desire is that none would perish. And I did say this. This is pretty close to how it unpacked, especially his children. So I'm not surprised that girls sung this morning who haven't sung in possibly years because they were standing in the presence of the one who created them. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's attempting to do to our daughters. But God has a different plan, and it's called life. Our job as parents is to direct them to life and life everlasting. What gets their attention gets the direction and eventually gets their destination. And taking them to church this morning headed them in the right direction. And for a moment, they stood, time stood still because they were at their destination. Jesus was in their boat. And I mean, <laughs> anyway, um, if you want to know, after that, the psychologist said, you know, I want you to keep talking. And I had the class for the rest of the time for the last 15 minutes and answered questions and all kinds. Of, and I can't tell you how it all. And I can even tell you after everybody left, I went up to the psychologist and just said, look, I, I know I've never said a word. And she said, no, 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 you don't say anything. I've never had this happen. I felt it in this class today. I've never had that happen before. You don't need to say anything. And I said, okay. So I walked out in the hallway, and there were two other ladies waiting on me in the hallway to continue the conversation. You know, the world's waiting for the sons of God to be revealed, is what Scripture says. If we're sons of God, we ought to host the Word of God. We should host the Word of God. So we can all hear the same word, and, and, and here's the thing. It might, it might be a little bit different how we express that word, but it's still the same word. We're still on the same tracks. 
You might help someone's knowledge. You might help someone's faith. You might change a default out there. I think of this woman who, at the end, she waited on me and said, you know, maybe I might need to become religious. That's what she told me. (laughs) See, Rhema is a place you can go. Logos is a place you can live where Christ is alive in you. So, Graphe and, and Rhema, they, they both, of, of course, are the word of God. In John 6, 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and are life. <clears throat> can you see the big trap? Here's the trap. If I hear a word that I can really identify with, one that really gives me hope and changes the way I view life, but I don't allow it to be an anchor point for me, then it is not abiding in me. And Jesus says in John 8, 31, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So it's important that we pay attention to how God speaks to us, whether it be graphe through a written thing, through, through his word, the Bible, or whether it be through a spoken word, the rhema word, God is always looking to speak to us, whether it's possibly even the logos, the meaning Jesus in the flesh or Christ in me is the hope of glory. <clears throat> this abide thing is so important. John 5, 38, 40 through 40. You do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him whom he has sent. You search the scriptures. This is Jesus speaking. He said, you search the scriptures because you think in them that you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me, and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. Now, guys, this is a warning because what was happening is he's saying, you guys are literalist, and you're translating the scriptures. He's talking to the Pharisees primarily here, and he's saying, look, Here's the thing. It's these words that testify of me. And now the logos, me in the flesh, is standing in front of you and you don't even recognize me. This tells me that people can read the Bible and still miss Jesus. Man, you wouldn't think that could happen. And and it doesn't happen often. Let me say that. Because most people today, it's elective if, if they read the Bible. They're not trying to hear it from a Pharisee, a Sadducee, or a religious scribe. Most of us are humble enough that when we pick up a Bible, we're looking to hear the Word of God. But I just want you to be aware that there are some that can read the Scriptures and still miss Jesus because they believe, just as I said, the Holy Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. No, it's God the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus says these Scriptures should come alive to you and you should see me more clearly you should know who i am just a short warning there so as we go on the big difference i see between logos and rhema as opposed to graphe the written word is the first two are living they bring life to you and it's true that's the holy spirit working in us all right hebrews 4 12 i told you to get there and we're going to close with this For the word, logos, of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If you will let it, the word of God will separate your flesh and your spirit, and and, and 
will allow you to find out where your thoughts and intentions are coming from. It will examine your heart and your spirit and you will allow and will allow you to find out where your thoughts and intentions are coming from. It will examine your heart and your spirit and you will allow and will allow you to find out where your thoughts and intentions are coming from. It will examine your heart. So we can ask the question, are we being led by the spirit or the flesh? Is that from God? Is that not from God? Is that my nature? Is that God's nature? I need to take my nature off and put his nature on. Are your thoughts and intentions any different today than they were a year ago, a month ago, a week ago? Now, here's the question. Are you becoming a new creation in Christ or are you still a sinner saved by grace? Listen to this. Are you becoming a new creation in Christ? Because here's, here's, if the word is living and active and is in us, then we should be what? Growing. That's where this, these two questions come from. Are you becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus or are you still a sinner saved by grace? Because some of us, if we see ourselves as a sinner saved by grace, then we always feel like we are just a sinner instead of a son or a child of the most high God. You see, I don't think Jesus, when we come to Christ, I don't think he's sitting there going, oh, look at that sinner. He's still sinning, but it's a good thing he's my child. We don't stop because we accept Christ. He's still speaking is my point. And if he's still speaking, it means that we should still be growing. We should still be growing. Colossians 3.16, here's the ending scripture. Let the word, the logos of Christ, richly dwell within you. Richly dwell within you. And that should be our goal. Men, thank you for listening to me this morning. It's great to be back. Uh, I'll be gone next week working the Wounded Warriors. <laughs> but uh, I'll be back uh, after that. I've got a couple of uh, uh, really cool things planned for us. I've taken a lot of notes um, for a couple of series for our brave hearts. So I didn't want to kick off anything knowing I was just going to slip in and slip out. Matthew's got a message ready for you next week, and uh, we'll be teaching us next week. But there's questions in front of you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you are living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Father, I pray that, that the word of God, that it wouldn't stay in its sheath but be pulled out, Father, and that we would, we would allow it to richly dwell within us. Father, the graphy, the, the written word of God, the logos, Lord.